The idea here with Musar is to change what you are. And the only way that you will change is to get your nephish to accept what it is you want to be. And we've talked about how you communicate with your nephish. Your nephish understands emotion. It understands true and false. It's programmed by hearing. It doesn't much care about right and wrong. Your conscious mind is where you process right and your wrong. Your nephish simply responds to true and false. So if it's true of you that you're a good dancer, you're a good dancer. It doesn't matter whether you have two left feet. If it's not true of you you're a good dancer, it doesn't matter how much you think you're a good dancer because your nephish won't let you do it. So we have the 13 midot, the attributes of your personality, and it is the case that you are designed to have God work through you. If your personality is grossly out of balance, people can't see God through you because you get in the way. So in our example here, if you go down to generosity, this guy is out of balance. And let's assume for a minute that he was really stingy. So if you come to him needing charity, and he is really stingy and is unwilling to do something that he could do, what happens is you can't see God through him. God can't work through him in that area. Now, he may be very patient as he stands there and tells you he isn't going to give you any money. So patience is not one of his problems. Generosity is. And so if you're dealing with him in an area where generosity is operative, then God's not going to be able to work through him in that area. So what we did, now they're lined up, and in fact, God can work through a person with a profile like that because there isn't anything specific that gets in the way. And notice that our generosity has not slammed clear over to the other side. Generosity has sort of settled somewhere in the middle. He's still cautious with his money, but he is not so stingy that he gets in God's way. And that's where you want to be. You want to be somewhere in that mid-range where you're still who you are. In other words, he watches his pennies, and that's okay, but he doesn't watch them to the extent that it's a problem in his relationship with other people. So the one we worked on last week was gratitude. gratitude. All right, so the term gamzu letova is this too is for the good. And what the exercise was last week was start your day off by saying that. And then as you go through the day, when you run into a situation that tempts you to be ungrateful, say that. And then, of course, write down your thoughts at the end of the day. Which, by the way, is a good object lesson. Most of what you worry about never happens. Most people spend a whole lot of bandwidth worrying, especially like at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I will gently suggest that that's really a waste of time and you ought to pray that spirit of fear down and go back to sleep because most of what you worry about never happens. So this week it's patience. And the Hebrew word for that is savlanut. The word is the root of several words, sevel, which means to suffer, and sivlot, which is burdens. Notice that all of this is kind of negative. And the idea here is patience is something that you don't need until you almost lose it. For example, let's say that you're in a store 
and the lady in front of you has paid with a wad of coupons and she has written a small check and she's standing there sorting through her coupons and balancing her checkbook after having written an $8 check for the balance. And you're standing behind her in the line. Now, there's two attitudes you can have. Attitude number one is you can be calm and cool and, you know, I don't have anything to do for the next 15 minutes anyway and look around the store. At that point, you are not exercising patience. That is not patience. That's equanimity. Equanimity is when you don't care. You don't have any place you all have to be. Nothing bothering you. And this lady is, as I say, balancing her checkbook and counting out her coupons and putting them back in her wallet in alphabetical order. And you don't care. That is not patience. Patience is when you've got the car running in the parking lot outside and your kids are waiting for you to take them somewhere. And if you don't get there on time, they're going to miss the boat. And this woman is putting her coupons in back in her wallet in alphabetical order. That's when you need patience. So patience is something that you don't need until you're about to lose it. By the way, the word patient, has anybody ever been a patient in a doctor's office? Why do you think they call them patients? The root of the word is someone who is suffering. So a patient in a doctor's office is suffering regardless of how long he has to sit waiting to be seen. The reason he's there is because he's suffering. That's why the word is patient. So you're still a patient even when you're looking the doctor right in the eye and he's thumping you with his little rubber hammer and trying to figure out what's wrong with you. You are still a patient because you're suffering. So Sablanut is in that same category of words. You are bearing a burden that you really don't want to carry. Patience is unpleasant. So when you're standing there watching this lady alphabetize her coupons while the whole line is backed up behind you, you are suffering. And so now the question becomes, are you going to exercise patience or are you going to fly into a rage, kick her cane out from under her, and scatter her coupons all across the parking lot as she so richly deserves? So the alternative to patience is rage. The idea here is you really are at the point of anger. That's when patience kicks in, if you have patience. So a scale as with the previous one, on the left we have impatience, and on the right we have passivity. Neither one of those is good. Where you want to be is somewhere in the middle. You want to be in the alacrity to patience range. What's alacrity mean? Let's get going. Let's get this done. Get it done quickly. That is not necessarily impatient, but it's on the impatient end of the scale. So if you have somebody who works with alacrity, the thing that he is prone to be pushed into is impatience because he's sort of tending in that direction. Alacrity itself is not bad unless it pushes over toward impatience, and it can do that because that's the direction you tend. Similarly, patience can be pushed the other way and go into passivity, which is not good. The other thing that drives impatience is a lack of control. One of the things that all of us want to be is in control of what goes on. And so when you get into a situation like that where you have a whole highway full of idiots and they're all in front of you 
and you have no control over the situation, that very often is something that triggers impatience, especially when you can see a better way to do it, like your two-year-old is fumbling with his shoelaces. Get in the car. So what you've done is you've taken control and you've moved the situation forward. But there are lots of situations where you can't take control. You cannot, in fact, snatch the wallet out of that little old lady and alphabetize her coupons for her and hand it back to her. And so there's no control there. The temptation, then, is to become impatient. So the whole idea here is to become more like God or more like Yeshua. And some scripture, Exodus 34, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, and slow to anger. And there's one in Peter where it says he's long-suffering and patient. So God himself is patient. And for those of you who have read scripture, God is not passive. There are times when God reaches out and toasts people. So it is not the case that he's passive. But he is slow to anger. He is patient. And so if you're going to be godlike in some sense, you need to develop patience if you don't already have it. And if you have it, then fine. Don't worry about it. Move on to something else. People around you come to know what you're like. Everybody around you does not see every area in which you're out of balance. The closer they are to you, the more of your areas that are out of balance they know about. But one of the things that these out-of-balance areas do is give people buttons to push. So if somebody realizes that you're out of balance, say, with respect to generosity, say you're one of these people who just gives everything away, they will come to you and they will sponge off of you because they see that you're out of balance that way. And if you're out of balance the other way, what they'll do is they will come and make you angry because they know they can make you angry simply by asking for your generosity because you don't have any. Everybody is out of balance to some extent in some area. And if there is someone around you who's malicious, they will take advantage of the fact that you're out of balance in that area. So if for no other reason, getting into balance is putting walls around your city, if you will. Which is, again, another good reason to get yourself into balance. This week's exercise, the phrase that you might consider, and by the way, these phrases that I'm talking about are not etched in stone. If you find one that you like better from scripture or something else, use something different. So bearing the burden of the situation is your phrase. And I'm going to give you some passages for study, and I'm going to suggest that you study with a friend. The friend can be your spouse, or you can do it over the telephone, but get together with somebody and here are some thought questions. Let me read the first one. When something bad happens to you and you do not have the power to avoid it, do not aggravate the situation even more through wasted grief. And that's from Heshbon HaNefesh, which is the measurement of the soul. The question that you would wrestle with with your friend is how might grief aggravate a situation? Is there a grief that is not wasted? If grief is not the proper response to an unavoidable tragedy and loss, what is? What does this have to do with patience? And the idea here is that you will learn more working with someone else than you will by yourself, simply because another person will not see things the way you do.